Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. May the peace, mercy, and blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be upon all of you. Welcome to Islam in Life and thank you for tuning in and welcoming us into your homes this evening and to share in these conversations. My name is Maimuna Hussain and we welcome you from our beautiful studio live for the show. Um, Islam in Life is a, uh, Muslim, a production of the Muslim Association of Canada and we also want to remind you that Islam in Life can be found as a podcast um, so you can definitely uh, listen to this after or share with your uh, community, inshallah. Um, so as you know, um, we come in uh, every week to you. And before we begin, we begin with Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, uh, the remembrance and praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala before we begin anything that we hope will be of goodness. So let us listen to some verses of the Quran. Ya Today we have a very special episode uh, and as we move into these weeks and prepare for Ramadan, we will be discussing um, my co-host, Brother Khalid Al-Qazaz is here. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. So let's talk about the critical question, inshallah, before we get into the topic, um, which is, of course, related all to Ramadan. Um, and the, as, as you may remember, the critical questions are for us to communicate with you. And this is a live show. So, of course, um, even when we have our guests, we encourage you to connect with us and send us your questions. Uh, you can do that in a few ways. You can type in your questions on the YouTube channel. You can also join us on Zoom. And our meeting room ID is 
uh, and so that's to uh, communicate with us uh, over the course of the episode, inshallah, if you have questions for our guest. The critical question is so that we can also get an idea of what's on your mind, what you're thinking about in terms of contemporary and relevant topics. And so for tonight, our question is uh, related to Ramadan. And Brother Khaled, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about it, inshallah. Okay, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillah, So in the spirit of preparing for uh, Ramadan, and inshallah the segment today is all about uh, 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 preparation for Ramadan and we're honored to have Dr. Jess Sa'uda with us today. Uh, people are familiar with uh, Ramadan as an opportunity, a month of opportunity uh, for the individual to uh, get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to transform at the individual level if uh, if we seek and, and benefit from Ramadan uh, uh, properly. However, we invite our uh, audience to think about Ramadan at the Ummah level. So how can Ramadan be transformational at the Ummah level? And how can you be part of this transformation? So this is a question for the audience to think about uh, in preparation for Ramadan and maybe take bigger, wider intentions and uh, think about uh, uh, things that you do that you can, with the right intention and with the right connections, basically make it a, an intention to transform also at the and benefit at the ummah at the ummah level inshallah and uh, from the smaller acts of uh, dua for yourself if you think at the ummah level the dua can go into different levels to the acts of charity to the acts of uh, connecting with people all over the world and so on so think about different dimensions of uh, connecting and expanding this transformation to be at the ummah level inshallah and hopefully that helps you uh, get into the mindset of Ramadan preparation in a different way and uh, I'll pass it back to Sir Maimuna Jazakallah khair. Thank you, Brother Khalid. Okay, so let's continue on this concert conversation on transformation. So tonight's topic is about Ramadan being a transformational experience. And so before we get into our discussion and welcome our guests, let's take a look at what our researchers have put together for this week. According to the Fiqh Council of North America, Ramadan will be starting on the evening of 22nd of March, making the 23rd of March the first day of fasting. This blessed month is an opportunity for growth and transformation as each believer fights their own desires and strives to be the best version of themselves. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made fasting, the fourth pillar of Islam, obligatory during this holy month. As translated from Surah Al-Baqarah, Ayah 185, the month of Ramadan is that in which was revealed the Qur'an, a guidance for the people and clear proofs of guidance and criterion. So whoever cites the new moon of the month, let him fast it, and whoever is ill or on a journey, then an equal number of other days. Fasting is a powerful way to cultivate one's God consciousness in both the heart and mind. It is an act that purifies the soul, inspires self-reflection, and increases empathy as well as sincerity in good deeds. Ramadan is also the month during which the Qur'an was descended upon our beloved Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him. He, as well as the Sahaba, were known to prioritize the reading of the Qur'an during this month, cover to cover, as many times as they could. Abu Huraira reported, the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, would review the Qur'an once every year in Ramadan, and he reviewed it twice in the year that he passed away. The Prophet would seek spiritual retreat in the mosque for 10 days every year and he secluded himself for 20 days in the year he passed away. As this month is one during which the reward for good deeds are multiplied, being charitable is also encouraged. 
can be through donations, helping the needy, feeding the hungry, volunteering our time. The spirit of giving during this holy month stems from the sympathy we feel for those who have less when we experience hunger and deprivation ourselves. Also, our deepening relationship with God and His Word during this time increases our understanding of His vast mercy and generosity. It is reported that the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, was the most generous of all the people, and he used to become even more generous in Ramadan. This blessed month of Ramadan is approaching soon after the tragedies have hit our beloved brothers and sisters in Turkey and Syria. Many other countries are also afflicted with drought, hunger, poverty, and oppression. Ramadan is an opportunity to translate our worship into actions by contributing to the relief efforts across the globe in all the ways in which we can, as well as fulfilling our duty to our Ummah through community service. As we rejoice the approach of this blessed month, here are a few tips on how to prepare for a fruitful Ramadan. Sincere repentance from any ongoing sins. Dua to be able to witness this Ramadan and make the most out of it. Complete any outstanding obligatory fasts. Hasten to complete any tasks that may distract you from worship during Ramadan. Begin fasting a few days during the month of Shaban as practice. Begin blocking out time in your day for reading the Qur'an such that the habit is set in place by the time that you reach Ramadan. Set goals along with your family and loved ones on what good deeds you would like to achieve during Ramadan. Tonight, along with our guest, Dr. Yasser Oda, we will be discussing how Ramadan is an opportunity for transformation. And uh, Dr. Jasser Aouda, mashallah, he's been with us, uh, you know, for so many different uh, as elements of our programming. And inshallah, he will also be doing a special segment during Ramadan. So we're very lucky to have Dr. Jasser Aouda here with uh, us, starting this conversation as we prepare for Ramadan. Welcome, Dr. Jasser. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Sister Maimuna. The honor is mine and Ramadan Kareem, inshallah, for you and for my brother Khalid and all the viewers, inshallah, Ramadan Kareem. Inshallah, inshallah, it's a beneficial Ramadan for all of us together as a community. Dr. Jasser, I want to uh, start um, with this conversation about, you know, even preparing for Ramadan uh, at the mental level, at the spiritual level, individually. How do we as individuals, knowing that Ramadan is just a couple of weeks away now, you know, h- how do we get in that frame of mind? How do we prepare ourselves? Uh, what does it mean, uh, you know, to, to be in that uh, spirit of Ramadan at the individual level? Well, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Wassalam. The uh, spirit of Ramadan is actually an opportunity for all of us. So we should be waiting for Ramadan as waiting for an opportunity or for a very big chance to win major rewards uh, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the dunya and the akhirah. So basically to um, can't wait for Ramadan kind of feeling uh, versus thinking about the small things. You know, people sometimes think about their coffee in the morning or about the routine that is going to change and kind of dread Ramadan. And I think that uh, true Muslim should fight against that and say, no, I'm not dreading Ramadan. I'm actually waiting for a gift from Allah. And Allah will help, inshallah, with any difficulty if people are not used to certain things. 
So, so that really helps. Like, I mean, it's, it's that frame of mind. It's shifting our frame of mind, thinking about, you know, the inherent value and the gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that uh, Ramadan is, which, which shifts us, I think, even from thinking about, you know, our worldly present needs to something beyond, uh, you know, uh, thinking about um, that relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I think this is what I'm hearing you say. Yeah, sure. Uh, Ramadan actually has if we can put it in contemporary terms, like three sides to it. Uh, one has to do with what we could call in English spirituality, or if we use a Quranic term, it is the heart of the believer. And the other one, or the second has to do with the community or the society. It's a social aspect of Ramadan. That's an integral part of Ramadan too. Uh, and that has to do with the family and has to do with the neighborhood and the community at large. And the third side, if you wish, has to do with the political side of the ummah. Uh, because Ramadan used to be the, sh the, the month of the major victories of the ummah. The major steps that the ummah has taken on the political level for its unity and for its overcoming its challenges happened also in Ramadan. And we should not be extreme about any of these three sides. You know, some people take Ramadan only as a spiritual experience and they immerse themselves in their ibadah and they forget their social role with the family. And we mentioned charities that are due, overly due, overdue, uh, and the neighbors and da'wah and, and all of our social roles uh, with relatives and so on. And sometimes people focus on the social roles only. And Ramadan is a social occasion with a lot of food and stuff. And they forget their hearts. And oftentimes we forget the bigger picture of the ummah. We think it's a month of spirituality. And we don't think about the most pressing political questions that we have as an ummah. The questions of justice and so forth. That is supposed to be part of what Ramadan is. Uh, the verses we read in Surah Al-Baqarah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put a verse in the middle of the verses of Ramadan. That's very interesting. Do not eat your uh, money or the public property or the public wealth in vain or in batil, uh, in falsehood, and pass it on to the leaders or the governors or al-hukam, the judges. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala went back to talk about the new moons and so on. So in the middle of Ramadan, he is saying, you're not eating or drinking and you're not eating haram as well, including what we could call in modern terms, corruption and bribery. And these are all things that would break your fast too, because they are not supposed to be part of your conduct. And therefore, it's important that a Muslim prepares for Ramadan in those three kind of lines. Uh, the line of working on my heart, and ibadah and taking care of myself and isolating myself in Ramadan as the Prophet ﷺ did, as we mentioned in the hadith. And the part of the social roles, uh, it's not time for uh, family fights and it's not time for uh, you know injustices. It is actually time for people to forgive each other as couples with the children, uh, for brothers and sisters to who have diff diff differences over inheritance 
to 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 give each other the right. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala divided all of that very clearly uh, for people to kind of forgive and to give people back the rights, and that that is part of Ramadan uh, too. And thirdly, to think about the bigger issues of the Ummah. Uh, as an Ummah, we have a lot of divisions that is not supposed to be happening. And the social media is actually helping divide the Ummah more. And people with interests and funds to spend on social networks, they are dividing our youth more and more. And the circle is becoming smaller and smaller. It used to be between Muslims and non-Muslims. In societies, now within Muslims, we have a hundred fragments and within the Muslims from the same school or the same country or, or the same group the group is dividing over itself and the mosque is dividing over itself and Ramadan is a time for us to, to heal that uh, and that's when we can talk about an Ummah Dr. Jasser, you covered all the points for today's uh, discussion Alhamdulillah in your first in your introduction so uh, the audience have now the, the big picture of what we're trying to cover today inshallah so let me start from the foundation that you, uh, mashallah, taught us at many different occasions. And that's uh, the maqsid or the objective of fasting, uh, uh, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordained it on uh, Muslims and on believers. So uh, let's start there. What is the maqsid of uh, fasting? Alhamdulillah, Allah mentioned it clearly in Surah Al-Baqarah that we read, لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ So that you can achieve taqwa. But taqwa sometimes is misunderstood. Sometimes taqwa is translated in English as piety uh, or as fear, which is actually a wrong translation. And Islam is not about that. Taqwa is to, fear, to, to, to avoid uh, anything that takes you from right to wrong, from good to evil. Uh, socially, politically, anything in terms of morality, and it's not just individual uh, you know, meekness and stuff. Like sometimes we misunderstand taqwa. But if you look at taqwa in the Quran, how Allah defined it, from the beginning, part of the taqwa is to read the book of Allah and to learn from it. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after that talked about family issues, uh, there is muttaqeen and taqwa and taqwa Allah all over. Uh, so dealing with family, as we mentioned and so on, that is part of the taqwa when we deal with financial issues and avoiding usury and cheating in trade etc and to be honest and to be faithful to the work you do and so forth and that is taqwa too for you to to perfect your work uh, that, that is part of taqwa you know sometimes in ramadan people are lazy and they don't do the work and let's do the work after ramadan ramadan is high time for being active and to do your work uh, taqwa also has to do with dealing with the issues of justice and so on. And the, it is part of taqwa to make sure that we don't have hungry people in our cities. And uh, the issues, like for example, if taken, talking about the Canadian context, the issues of the natives, for example, to be brought up and discussed in Ramadan because that is part of taqwa too, uh, for people who were treated unjustly to have part of their rights, for example and so forth. So taqwa is the objective, but we need to understand taqwa as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described it in the Quran, not as we culturally usually describe it as somebody who's just sitting in a mosque and just, you know, 
praying all night and this kind of thing. Jazakumullah khairan. And just uh, to follow up on this, and mashallah, we see now the way you approach different concepts in a comprehensive way, starting with uh, the whole month of Ramadan and a, a comprehensive approach and a balanced approach to uh, to uh, develop yourself in Ramadan in different and, and engage in different dimensions. And then when we spoke about the concept of uh, or the objective of fasting, you also uh, gave it, you linked it to the concept of taqwa again in a, in a, in a more holistic, in a more holistic way. And that's, uh, that's very important for people to consider as they plan and as Sister Maimuna mentioned, as they uh, conceptualize and, and, and prepare themselves mentally and spiritually for this holy month, inshallah. Uh, another concept that I would like uh, uh, to touch upon, if, if inshallah you can uh, benefit us with this, is the concept of transformation. Uh, because we see many opportunities in Ramadan as a month of connecting with the Quran, connecting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, really, this uh, transformational camp where you are controlling all your desires and uh, you're able to do things that you don't think you were able to. Uh, before uh, before Ramadan. So how can we use this whole environment in Ramadan to change and transform at the individual level? Well, transformation uh, in, in the Quranic words, and we always go back to the Quranic concepts to discuss the issues, uh, they, they could go either in the word of taghir or change, or the word tajdeed or renewal. Uh, the word taghir or change, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us the rule of that. He said, Allah does not change a people until they change themselves. And therefore, I cannot expect the world around me to change or my ummah to change before I change myself. And to change myself is to be aware of my issues, uh, to be aware of my shortcomings and my responsibilities and so forth. And therefore, to do some sort of self-critique uh, as an individual and as an ummah as well, as a community. And that is a, the, the starting point of transformation. You really cannot make a transformation by making a very good plan, but you don't feel in your heart that you need to change yourself. And if each of us in this ummah, we are approaching the two billion mark, of humanity, if each one of these two billion people change, change themselves in a, in a better way, uh, one step, th the world will be different. It will be a very different world. The other concept of tajdeed or renewal, uh, Prophet ﷺ mentioned, after 100 years, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends people who transform, who, who renew the ummah. Uh, that renewal would require also a revision and a critique of knowledge because knowledge is not just a philosophical exercise. Knowledge is at the heart of culture and the way people eat and drink and make peace or fight and you know deal with the government and deal with the company and deal with the employees and deal with the wife and the children and the husband and the in-laws. This is all culture but this at the heart of it, there is knowledge. And we have some issues that require renewal in our Islamic knowledge because sometimes we go beyond the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet into uh, what we inherited from our history. And we don't differentiate between what is compatible with the Quran and Sunnah and what is not. 
And sometimes we don't differentiate between what was for the past and doesn't work for the reality and what was for the past and works for the reality. And that transforms sometimes into injustices that we see uh, in families, in communities. We see people, they cite certain opinions of certain scholars out of context, obviously, to justify injustices or justify that uh, people like inheritance, for example. I get so many questions since I work in the area of fatwa these days about, again, uh, like the jahiliya, like the pre-Islamic time, women not receiving their due amounts of inheritance. The brother takes more than the sisters. Yes, that's in Islam, but it, it, nothing in Islam says that the brothers have to monopolize the inheritance of the father. Uh, and that means uh, empowerment for our sisters. And that would require uh, a lot of self-change and self-discipline, for example, for people to get their financial rights. Um, we get questions of abuse. Uh, and however you interpret Surah An-Nisa, uh, and we could differ over whether this is a criminal punishment or whether this is something that is social, this has nothing to do with the crime of abuse because abuse is, according to the Quran, jaraha. You know, people, people break each other's bones and this kind of thing. And you cannot be fasting and you're doing these things to your family. That, that is not really, that is not Islam. Uh, so knowledge in terms of renewal is actually foundational for us to be able to transform as an ummah because at the heart of every culture that is successful and that is overcoming its challenges is a system of knowledge that serves this culture. Being part of the Western culture, we know that knowledge was a major part of the West. But I think that as Muslims, we need to contribute to the knowledge upon which Western civilization was built and move it from this secular, greedy, individualistic, now neoliberal kind of knowledge into more um, humane knowledge that Islam brings. JazakAllah khairan. I uh, actually will point to Sister Maimuna on this one again because I think our audience are, uh, are very uh, uh, much interested in actually the specifics. So how do we, how do we change, like uh, what, uh, what kind of interest and, 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 and concerns that people look for uh, when it comes to uh, people look for prescriptive answers sometimes like uh, so fasting will involve uh, a change in your routine a change in your habits uh, you start to do more ibadah you start to do more Quran so how d what do you advise people to do uh, uh, individually uh, we started with the conception of what what to think about and what to consider and mashallah give us a compre comprehensive look but specifically as we enter into the month of Ramadan what should people do individually? Well, individually, we should work on our manners, on our behavior. You know, the Prophet said, If you don't stop lying and act in lying, Allah doesn't need for you to, to uh, stop eating and drinking. So yes, we are hungry and thirsty, but we also need to stop any falsehood, zur is falsehood. Uh, and everyone has a different falsehood kind of thing, like, you know. Uh, and individually, people 
would know themselves. Allah said, every human has a vision and an insight on their, in their own hearts and their own selves. So look at your hearts and, and see what am I doing that is not exactly right. Everybody has the information, but we, we need to act. We need to act upon that and know that Ramadan is not just for reading of the Quran. It's for the implementing of the Quran. The reading is not, is, is not rewardable if we read and we don't implement. In fact, it's hypocrisy. It's a problem. If I always read in the Quran that I should feed the poor and I'm not feeding the poor. Uh, or if I read in the Quran that I should uh, say the truth and I'm not saying the truth. Uh, and it also, individually, people need to be a bit more tolerant in Ramadan. I was asked the other day about the timing, the calendar. Uh, you mentioned that uh, in the Fiqh Council of North America, of which I'm a member, we actually announced Ramadan because we made the decision a few years back that is going to be by calculation. And now it's all over Europe and many other countries. So Ramadan, inshallah, is on March 23rd. We announced Ramadan. Uh, I was asked about the calendar, especially about Al-Fajr, and whether the 15 degrees that we go by, which is different from this 18 degrees. So it's a bit more uh, later suhoor that we prescribe. And I was saying that this is not set in stone. And during the time of the Prophet is not set in stone. Time wouldn't allow me to give a number of hadith. So if it is five o'clock, and you wake up at five, before five. Finish your suhoor, even if it's five ten after five or 10 after five. Be tolerant with that because it is not set in stone. It is, it's not a minute and a second. And the behavior of the minute and a second is not Islamic, is not, is not fiqhi, you know, it's not like that. And uh, the Prophet ﷺ, for example, in the hadith, hadith sahih, he said that if you hear the adhan and you have a ball in your hand, Finish the bowl in your hand. Finish your cup of tea. Finish. Take it easy with Ramadan, with five or ten minutes with the time, whether the Isna calendar or any other calendar. And this should be part of our behavior, not just for the suhoor. But our behavior in general should be a more tolerant and more Islamic behavior. Because that's how the Prophet ﷺ did that. It was not exactly, you know, minute and a second. And it's not a harsh month. It's actually a month of tolerance and a month of rahmah. Uh, the Prophet said, it's the month of mercy. Jazakallah uh, khair, Dr. Jasir. Um, I, I want to remind our viewers first, actually, before I ask you a question, uh, that uh, you can uh, certainly send your questions and we will try to address them with Dr. Jasir tonight. So if you have any questions for Dr. Jasir, um, you can send those on the YouTube chat. Or if you want to ask your question live, you can find us in the Zoom room. Uh, the meeting code is 905-822-2626. Jazakallah khair. So Dr. Jasset, uh, you know, we, we, we're talking about preparing for Ramadan. We're talking about the different dimensions of Ramadan. So we think about these um, and that we're aware of these things. And I, I really appreciate you saying that we don't, you know, hyper focus in one area, that we are actually balanced in how we, um, you know, make a meaningful Ramadan. And that transformation of ourselves uh, should also reflect in our community, inshallah, should reflect in, you know, those three different dimensions. Um, now, Ramadan is also a short period of time in the grand scheme of things. It's four weeks. It's, it's a month. It, it, and then, 
life goes back to normal, so to speak. Uh, so, so how do we, you know, if we project, what do we want coming out of Ramadan? What is that goal? You said, you know, taqwa is the goal that we aim towards during Ramadan. What is that goal that we want to think about, that we want to come out of at the end of this? Well, the goal differs from person to person, really, because Islam is very wide. Uh, as I mentioned, there are goals about our hearts uh, and goals in the social life that we live and goals in the bigger society and uh, bigger political issues and so on. So we should set goals for ourselves based on who we are. You know, people who are rich are different from people who are poor. People who are uh, young and active different from somebody who is older and, you know, limited in their, in their ability to be active. Um, so the goals should be set based on what we can do. Allah doesn't ask of a people <coughs> more than what they have, what they can do. And the goal is to come out of Ramadan as different people. And cyclical change up and down. And this is part of life and part of Allah's sunan, subhanahu wa ta'ala, the universal laws of Allah, that you're not always praying. You will have time praying, I mean the sunnah. You will have time not praying the sunnah and time praying the sunnah. You have time fasting and time less fasting. And that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made a minimum, which is the fard. To fast in Ramadan, to pray the five times, to do this and not to do that. But then the extras, it's normal to have ups and downs. And it's normal after Ramadan for us to feel a change in our hearts and so forth. But in Ramadan, it's time to mend what is really broken. In, in our relations and our ummah and, and to look at the bigger pictures and try to understand uh, the, the real enemies of, of our ummah and the real challenges that we have uh, and, and not to be driven by the, the public talk. Uh, I, I think it's important uh, if you can, I don't know if I can give this, uh, it's not a fatwa or anything, but advice. If you can get yourself off social media, let's say, in Ramadan, you know, unless, unless you have a duty, for example, for work, or you're somebody who is into media, you are a media person. But if you are an average person, you know, don't tell people what you do, and just focus on yourself, perhaps, or focus on yourself more, and get more of your life into your private life, rather than the public life. And perhaps this would make you find more sincerity. Uh, it, you could be sincere or you should be sincere even if you are in public, but it's easier to be sincere when you're in private. And perhaps having some privacy in Ramadan is a good idea. Alhamdulillah, Ramadan is a training for sincerity because once you're by yourself in your kitchen and nobody's in the house, you could eat and drink, but you're not eating and drinking because you're sincere. You want to please Allah and your fear Allah's, uh, you know, punishment if you break your fast. That is a start, but we should try to raise the level of sincerity in the ummah a little bit because we put so much in public to the extent that sometimes we lose that touch of sincerity, that I'm doing this purely and squarely for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Dr. Jasser, and I have one last question on the individual level, and that's... Uh, Basically, the modes of change that people adopt, and particularly in our societies, uh, uh, people are used to uh, detailed planning. So you have uh, New Year resolutions, you have uh, specific ob measurable objectives in Ramadan, people set uh, objectives of uh, 
uh, I'm gonna read the Quran this much. I'm gonna, uh, inshallah, try to do itikaf and uh, a number of days. I'm gonna, I'm going to, uh, inshallah, try to pray tarawih as much as I can. And I, I trying to do several khatmas. So people like to have a, uh, there is the specific planning uh, approach that people do. And what I'm hearing from you also is an approach where I look at the the big picture and focus on uh, a balanced, comprehensive, uh, comprehensive approach. Uh, however, that other part is also, for those who think in a prescriptive way, is a bit unclear. So, how do like what do you advise us actually to do? Like uh, we 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 get the picture, we get the ideas and the comprehensive and uh, and the balance, but. Uh, what should we do? Well, uh, wh when we say that we have to acquire more taqwa or more sincerity, uh, it's not measurable. Uh, and it should not be measurable because sometimes we feel an achievement and it's not an achievement. Uh, numbers in Islam are not important. Uh, numbers are just numbers. Uh, but the quality is more important than the quantity. Read one page of the Quran for the whole month, but read it and stop at every word and understand it and memorize it and do uh, what the page is telling you to do. That is more important than reading the whole Quran three times or five times. Um, stand in prayers and really focus on the prayers and do a very long sujood. Yeah, we're talking about minutes now, but it's not about the numbers. That's more important than praying those 21 rakahs and so forth, if you feel that. So I think it's also a good time to transform our criteria of success from quality to quantity. Imam Abu Hamid Ghazali. You mean quantity to quality. Uh, from qu uh, qu <laughs> quantity to quality. Yes. Imam Abu Hamid Ghazali, for example, talked about fa the fasting of the body and the fasting of the tongue and the fasting of the heart. That, that is not measurable, but that is three levels of fasting. And he said when you don't eat or drink, that is fasting from the body. But when your tongue doesn't say anything except for the truth, and except something that you feel that Allah will count as a reward, you cannot really count that, but that is a shift that is a higher level of fasting. And then he said the highest level of fasting, if your heart has no other thoughts, but you're fasting from the evil thoughts, and the material thoughts, and so forth. Uh, and of course, without leaving the basic halal needs, and so you have to eat and drink, and so forth. But I think it's, it's also time to shift from quantities to quality. And to understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying the, the good and the bad is not the same, even if the bad is plenty. So you pray bad rakahs and you pray a hundred rakahs. That is not as valuable as two rakahs that you pray and you really focus. And the Prophet ﷺ told his companions just that. He told them, if you pray two rakahs and thinking about nothing but Allah, you will get, Allah will give you Jannah. Because he is focusing on the quality of those two rakahs, the quality of reading the Quran. Let us not do these numbers and pages and so on. Let us not... Uh, enumerate and materialize uh, the Ramadan. Um, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned about charity, for example, that one dirham is better than a thousand dirham. So he, they told him, how come? He said, a very rich person, 
took a thousand dirham from Aradi, min Aradi Mali, from the, the footnotes of his money. You know, he found a thousand dollars in his pocket and just he gave it like that. And another man took one dollar out of two that he has and gave, uh, which means a guy with a thousand bucks in the bank taking 500. Quality wise, those 500 are better than 20,000 that somebody is giving and he is a, a billionaire. And does 20,000 doesn't mean anything. So my point is to focus on the quality and as an ummah, we need, we need quality more than quantity. And we need to measure the performance of our Islamic work with the quality of what we do, because that is how the world could change. The world changes with quality people and quality acts and quality words and quality ideas, rather than the quantities. Let me just make a disclaimer uh, on your behalf, <laughs> because sometimes people take these uh, suggestion, these uh, statements, as uh, when you say uh, uh, don't do this or do this, that they uh, they stop doing and then they do nothing. Yeah, no, so the idea not. that uh, Dr. Jesser has is inviting uh, everyone to uh, really uh, upgrade the quality of the ibadah that you do. Uh, with uh, a wider and deeper intention and with uh, focus on quality of the ibadah and ibadah that inshallah connects you with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, however, if uh, the individual is used to some specific routines that help him reach this level of quality, then by all means, Dr. Justin is not asking you to stop and drop. He's asking you to continue, but to try to make it deeper and more impactful. Uh, rather than just uh, dropping things uh, altogether. But this takes us yeah. also yeah. to the discussion about basically how do we do the, the to tr transform from the level of the individual to have impact at the level of the Ummah uh, during, this, uh, during this blessed month, uh, Dr. Jesser. So how can the same acts that we engage in uh, be, be, be perceived or be accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that these are acts uh, uh, for the ummah at, at, like how can I as an individual have an impact at the ummah level uh, during this blessed month? Barakallahu feekum. Individually, if you work on yourself, you are working on the ummah because the ummah is the individuals at the end. The ummah is the people, the men and women who are Muslim, who are believers. And every believer counts. So if I improve myself, and by the way, to comment on what he said, uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the obligations for that purpose. So I know that I have five prayer times. I have two and a half percent to give for zakah. And, and the numbers are very strict and very specific so that I have a minimum, regardless of the quality I do. I should not go under that minimum, but above that minimum, I should look for the quality of the salah. But if I don't feel my heart in the prayers, I still have to pray the five times even if it's the worst quality, because I have to. This is an obligation. But if we all go from the obligation to more truth, levels of truth, we are going to change the ummah. The other aspect that I would like to mention that could be odd to, to some of the ears is to understand the politics behind what's happening with Islam these days. And I find this to be important because the politics of some of the Muslim-majority countries and the politics of many of the Muslim organizations in the minority countries are becoming very wild. Uh, as somebody who lived you know, long enough to, to, to see 
different phases over the decades of, of my life. I see that the past decade has become very wild in terms of people who would like to divide the ummah and they have a purpose and they put serious budgets in dividing the youth of this ummah to the extent of having all sorts of conflicts and all sorts of uh, debates between people who are not supposed to, you know, things are not supposed to be debatable. Um, to serve the ummah, I have to be more politically aware. And to be more politically aware, I have to be more critical. Uh, when, you know, I see something that is not right, I have to look with a critical eye. Um, when I go do a umrah, for example, in Ramadan, I need to be critical about the bigger systems that I see. Uh, you know, how the rich do a umrah and how the poor do a umrah. That's an important question. Uh, what is beyond the umrah of the changes that are happening in the land of the two sacred places of Islam? This is an important question. And the average Muslim doesn't have to be politically active. Not everybody is interested in the politics of Islam and Muslims, but at least they should be aware and not be sucked in other people's agendas who do not mean well for Islam, to put it this way. Um, why are so many fatwas and so many discourse out there about Islam that is, you know, to put it bluntly, silly, you know, and talking about small issues. Islam is not about the small issues. And fiqh uh, and, and the books of fiqh, if you look at them properly, they are different from other religions. You know, with, with all due respect, Islam is not Talmudic. Like, you know, with all due respect to the Talmud and people who believe in it, but you find very, very small issues on the Sabbath, for example, what you do and what you don't do. Hundreds of instructions. In Islam, we don't have that. Just don't fast, don't eat and drink from uh, sunrise to sunset and this and that. And very simple instructions. But what is important is the spirit of it. Um, I, I answer questions of fatwa sometimes, and sometimes in those ask the scholar questions. You get hundreds of questions. All of them are about small issues. Uh, whether you smell bukhur or not, or whether you put you know, eye drops or whatever or not, whether, like these are not issues in Islam and, and are not supposed to be the issues of fasting that we're looking at. They should be the bigger questions and the bigger issues. Uh, and the zakah, sometimes you get the questions about the very, very small issues. And what's important is that we give the zakah because the percentage of Muslims who give zakah are like two or three percent, you know, according to some scholars. Why don't we go from two percent to 50 percent giving our zakah? That is different. Uh, you know, we'll have a different world. So my advice is to work on ourselves for the ummah to be a better ummah and to be a little bit more politically aware, a bit more educated about the bigger systems that uh, divide our ummah and that govern uh, the ideas and the cultures of our ummah and engineer these cultures in a way that does not ser serve the purposes of Islam and that takes Muslims beyond the, the spirit of Islam to the spirit of other systems of life that is not Islam, you see.
Dr. Jasser. Um, so, so I think what I'm hearing you say is that, you know, the frame of mind that we come into, inshallah, in Ramadan, it, it, it's different. You started with telling us that, you know, instead of missing coffee, you know, that we see this as a month of, you know, being grateful as a gift from Allah subhanahu You've also given us some ideas on how to think about this concept of transformation um, and to really critically think about some of the issues that are impacting our ummah. Uh, and that critical eye. Um, so how do we, you know, start even developing this critical eye that you're talking about? You're saying just going to spaces and asking questions when things don't seem right, or how, how do we develop a critical eye so that we can make those positive impacts on the Ummah? I think the key of developing a critical eye is the Qur'an, is for us to read this book with an understanding. Mm. And if your language is not Arabic or you're not fluent in the Arabic language enough to understand what you're reading, you need to look at translations, perhaps more than one translation. So some, some translators, every translator, make some errors in some of the words. So, you, you know, you have a, a close, uh, you know, proximity to the real meaning of, of the Arabic or the original meaning, Allahu uh, A'lam, in terms of the, the origin of, of the meaning. Uh, when you read the Quran, it will kind of... Um, it, will, it will correct the, the ratios in your mind and your heart. Because what's important in the Qur'an is important in Islam. And what is not important in the Qur'an is not important in Islam. Mm. And oftentimes we get into, for example, as I mentioned, schools of, of thought. And the Hanafiya and the Shafi'iya, the Salafis and the Sufis, the Sunnah and the Shia. And we differ over these historical schools and the Qur'an doesn't have that. As long as you believe in the Qur'an and you follow the sunnah of the Prophet and you respect uh, Islam and respect the forefathers of Islam, if you wish, in a particular way. And every group had, has that respect, but they have differences. If you look at the Qur'an and familiarize yourself with Islam through the Qur'an, you will start to see these sectarian differences in a different light. And you will start to see some of the smaller issues, even if they were obligations, that became very, very big in our social lives, that the Qur'an mentions in passing, you see. And you will start to look at nature differently. Uh, you see, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that animals and birds are nations like us, communities like us. This is a very big statement, and we don't look at them this way. We look at birds and animals as food or as danger or as but if you read the Quran and just the very light issue of animals and birds and the environment and the trees and so on and the mountains the mountains are amazing in the Quran they have a character and they speak and they this will change your outlook and will make you live a different relation with nature let's say and a different relation with society and different and therefore you will have a different view of looking at the world because the Quran is going to educate you according to Islam. Uh, Allah talks about the people of the book and in several places in the Quran he says they are not equal, they are not the same. When you look at Christians and Jews and people of other books that became different religions, Allah is saying they are not the same. Some of them are believers and some of them are not. Some of them they, they have tears in their eyes when they listen to the Quran and some of them are not moved by the Quran, they are against its ideas. And therefore, when you look at the society and you deal with 
our friends in, in the bigger society who are not Muslim. I'm not saying that everybody is Muslim, but I'm saying that some non-Muslims are believers and that we should deal with them in a different way because the Quran is telling us to be fair to them and to appreciate that they took even one step in the road of Islam, which is to believe in Allah. At least we should start to tell them about Muhammad so that they could you know, have the full faith of Allah and Muhammad as a messenger. Some of them are people who of truth, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, some of the monks and the priests and so forth are uh, people who, who are humble and they stand by the truth and they believe in justice. And therefore we start to make the right alliances as Muslims with people who are people of justice and morality instead of making alliances with people of immorality and injustice because, you know, they are more convenient for our politics and our uh, trade. Uh, this is important uh, so that Ramadan makes a transformation. It's about education, but education Islam. Because sometimes people have PhDs, but they're not educating Islam enough because they don't believe what they read in the Quran. You know, Allah is telling us, do not follow your forefathers and follow the truth. And they still follow their forefathers. Their forefathers uh, oppressed uh, women, let's say. They didn't allow them to read, to read and, and write, as we see in some Muslim countries. So they don't want women to read and write. But subhanAllah, that is pre-Islamic. Islam is saying that everybody has to seek knowledge. They don't believe what they read. So we need to go beyond the taboos that we have and, and look at the Quran with a fresh eye and believe what we read. And for every Muslim to empower themselves to have a relationship with that book. You're not going to give a fatwa if you're not qualified. And you're not going to go and deal with courts of, you know, Allah forbid, divorce or custody. You're not qualified to do this fatwa. But you are qualified for the Quran to teach you about nature, about society, about justice, and so forth. And it will make from you a more aware Muslim. And it's a good actually opportunity for you to talk about the... Uh, the segments that inshallah you prepared uh, for this uh, for this Ramadan uh, and uh, and actually they are extension they are a continuation to what you did also last Ramadan so if you can tell us because really I think it's an important step to build uh, a good understanding uh, about Islam uh, through uh, reading the Quran and through understanding the Quran so can you tell us about this year's uh, uh, segment and last year's because they're also available and accessible for people to reach Zakumullah khair I'm happy alhamdulillah that uh, and Jazakumullah Khair for the uh, Max studio here. It's a great studio. I've been to a number of studios in a number of countries and Alhamdulillah, the facilities here are, uh, are very good and very well equipped. Last year, uh, we took a thematic approach to Surah Al-Baqarah and therefore we divided the Surah into 30 themes and Alhamdulillah, uh, Mac e-learning made a course out of it. Not just the videos available, but also a course that you can take so that you uh, finish that. We went to the second uh, light. Allah, the Prophet ﷺ called them Az-Zahrawan, the two lights uh, in the hadith, Al-Baqarah and Al-Imran. The second light is Al-Imran. We went to Al-Imran and we took 30 of the themes of Al-Imran from the beginning to the end, divided those 200 verses into those 30 themes uh, in order to educate ourselves from the Quran but not at the level of an individual word or an individual ruling, the levels of the themes. So, for example, uh, at the beginning, the theme of the people of the book. 
and their classifications and how can we deal with their books and how can we deal with them as neighbors and as co-workers and so forth. Uh, the theme of the hypocrites, one of the themes of Surah Al-Imran, so that we differentiate between Muslims who are true and Muslims who are hypocrites. And therefore, not to be uh, sad about some Muslims who make major crimes, and they are not, they are not really real Muslims, they are hypocrites. Um, the theme of the family is, is one of the themes in Al-Imran. Uh, the theme, uh, major stories of Maryam, salam, for example, it's a fantastic story. And the whole family of Al-Imran, the surah is named after them, which is Maryam and her parents and then Isa, salam, and his story and the miracles that he had and so on, and his, his lessons, his real lessons, Al-Hawarin, his followers. Uh, Al-Imran is talking about riba or usury which is a major sin in Islam. How can we define usury in today's economy and how can we uh, get rid of it uh, in terms of how we look at that? Al-Imran is talking about Mecca particularly and Al-Haram and how we deal with Al-Haram and uh, how to treat Al-Haram in a contemporary sense. Uh, Al-Imran is also uh, talking towards the end with a beautiful du'a uh, the Khawatim Al-Imran, the Dua in Al-Imran. We took this Dua and analyzed it and so on in order for us to learn some of the Dua based on the Dua in the Quran. So inshallah, it will be interesting, those 30 themes. And by the end of the month, we will have uh, hopefully inshallah a very good picture of the 200 ayat of Al-Imran. And uh, inshallah, hopefully year after year, we take those surahs and inshallah have familiarity with them through a thematic and purpose-based and objective-based kind of approach that asks what, what is the objective of this story? Wh why are we learning about this part of history? And the why always takes us to the, our realities because without asking why, you could just learn about the uh, story of one of the prophets. But when you say, what does this mean in my life and why am I learning about that prophet this way is for me to apply. So hopefully inshallah uh, those 30 episodes uh, will make us live with the surah of Al-Imran and read sure. it this way inshallah. Sure. Inshallah. So um, to our audience, inshallah, this will be airing throughout the month of Ramadan um, and you can catch it on our Mac channel uh, on YouTube, inshallah. Um, so we thank Jazakallah Khair, uh, Dr. Jasser, for joining us today for this conversation uh, in terms of, you know, starting to think about and conceptualizing uh, Ramadan the purpose and the objectives of Ramadan, how to approach the Quran and make meaning in our lives uh, at the individual as well as moving at the community and Ummah level. Jazakillah uh, um, khair. We're going to continue these conversations on uh, you know, preparing for Ramadan and thinking about Ramadan next week as well. Uh, Brother Khaled, I don't inshallah. know if you want to share. Yes, so inshallah next week we have a, a continuation of the conversation around uh, the Ummah, inshallah, with uh, a scholar or an academic who's uh, uh, specialized uh, and actually made uh, a whole uh, center around this uh, uh, Ummah uh, concept, uh, Dr. Abamir Anjam, inshallah, and we hope to take uh, this discussion and this conversation on how do we live within this Ummah framework uh, in contemporary times, inshallah. So that's the discussion next week, and Dr. Jasser, may Allah reward him, connected 
that concept uh, to uh, Ramadan and to the individual so that uh, the concept of taqwa is not just constrained to the traditional view of taqwa but more uh, uh, a more comprehensive uh, concept and his advice on uh, uh, basically taking your taqwa that you achieved on the smaller scale to bigger and wider priorities that uh, uh, that uh, Islam has advised us to uh, explore and then finally uh, and hopefully inshallah you improve the quality and uh, prioritize your life according to the Quran and inshallah through the month of Ramadan he's gonna inshallah take us uh, in the segment that we air uh, right before iftar inshallah uh, on some reflections and uh, thematic uh, understanding of uh, Surah uh, Al-Imran inshallah and that's a way really to uh, expand our horizons and to look through the lens of the Quran as uh, uh, instructed and as uh, really the prophetic approach to understanding uh, understanding Islam inshallah. We hope to do all this through the month of Ramadan. We're very happy to have Dr. Jasser no. with us here uh, today and inshallah we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll learn from him uh, through the journey, you can access uh, the works of Dr. Jasser uh, on our e-learning platform, elearning.macnet.ca. And also on our YouTube channels, we have the previous uh, segments as well for people to uh, to go through, inshallah. Jazakumullah khairan, Dr. Jasser. Inshallah, we'll see you in uh, Ramadan, inshallah, before I mean, iftar, yeah. Toronto time. Yes. No, actually, we will air it on different times. On different times as well. Time Facebook, Facebook pages as well, inshallah. And, and a good discussion with Dr. Awaymer, inshallah. inshallah. It will be, I'm sure, a good discussion that will build on inshallah. what we did. Dr. Awaymer is a dear colleague. We worked together before in academia. Inshallah, inshallah I have a good discussion. Can you end the segment with a dua, inshallah? Allah, ومن طاعتك ما تبلغنا به جنتك ومن اليقين ما تهون به علينا مصائب الدنيا متعنا اللهم بأسماعنا وأبصارنا وقوتنا أبدا ما أبقيتنا واجعله الوارث منا واجعل ثأرنا على من ظلمنا وانصرنا على من عادانا ولا تجعل مصيبتنا في ديننا ولا تجعل الدنيا أكبر همنا ولا مبلغ علمنا اللهم بلغنا رمضان اللهم بلغنا رمضان May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala take us safely to Ramadan Amen. and may we benefit from Ramadan and come out of Ramadan Amen. better people and closer to him subhanahu wa ta'ala and forgive our sins Amen. and uh, give us uh, al-jannah and take us away from al-nar. Jazakumullah khair, barakallahu feekum and happy Ramadan again. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from all of you. Kullum antum khair, barakallahu feekum. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Islam in Life is an online production by the Muslim Association of Canada.